0: Welcome to episode 237 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, Summer Shorts, Favorite Fields, and this is a binocular tour of the summer Milky Way. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So I did a binocular tour the other night using my 7x35 um, binoculars. But uh, before we get going with this, Shane, what do we need uh, to know to get started with uh, with binocular astronomy uh, on the summer sky?
1: Um, well, uh, probably number one, try to get uh, away from light pollution as best as you can. Um, and before you leave, there's a few things you should pack. Um, number one, bring some binoculars. Now, Mm uh, we usually recommend like eight by 42s pretty much for me. Um, eight times is about the maximum magnification I want on a binocular without mm-hmm. a tripod, you know, if I'm just hand holding. So 7 by 35s 8 8x40s-ish, you know, something like that. So you'll want that. You're going to want uh, some form of a star chart probably, so you know where to look. Uh, you will want a dimmable or a low light red light uh, to help see that chart. Um, and then the last thing, um it, you know, it's probably not a must-have, but I think it's a real close to a must-have, which is some sort of a comfortable chair that reclines so Mm -hmm. that you can kind of lean back, you know, put the binoculars to your eyes and you're already at the right angle to see the sky. And it's super comfortable and it's a great way to uh, do some summer observing.
0: Yeah. So a good pair of binoculars, you know, uh, can be found uh, pretty much anywhere. You can buy them used on uh, eBay or whatever. If you are looking for a decent good pair, I recommend the Nikon Action Extreme 8x40s, and then the uh, the Star Chart. You just bought a new copy of this. Uh, maybe get a get a jumbo edition of the uh, Sky and Telescope Pocket Atlas. That would be a good uh, a good one to have under the stars this summer. Eh?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful uh, atlas, and it's you know it's certainly great for binoculars, and also if you have a telescope, it's it's really what I use all of the time. So it's it's multi purpose.
0: Yeah, and for a red light, you can go buy a custom LED uh, astronomy light from an astronomy retailer. They run about 25 bucks, but you don't have to do that. You can just get some red tape at the local hardware store, either electrical or red duct tape, and then just uh, get like one of those cheap and expensive uh, 2 or $3 uh, LED lights that you can buy at a lot of checkouts these days and uh, just throw some of the red tape over that and you're good to go.
1: Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a, a lot of easy solutions to uh, turn your light red.
0: All right, so you're ready to go on a tour of the the night sky?
1: I am. All right,
0: so what happened the other night was uh, it wasn't very good. In fact, it was uh, kind of raining a little bit, and I decided not to set up my telescope because I usually don't do that in the rain. And uh, and then I set my alarm or I woke up, I can't remember which, but... I, I think I probably had set my alarm for around 1230 or so. And I get up and it was it was not 100 percent clear, but it was mostly clear. Actually, the best sky I had in the past week. And uh, of course, no telescope set up. And with only 45 or 50 minutes of, of decent darkness these nights, I uh, wasn't going to bother setting it up because I, I'd waste half the half the dark sky time just setting up a telescope. So I thought, huh. I'll just grab my trusty old binoculars and head out the door. And so I did just that and uh, used the whole 50 minutes uh, with my binoculars. And the one place I like to start in in the summer on on these nights, Shane, is in that uh, Antares M4 region. I don't know about you, but uh, I just love starting in that area because it's it's low in the south and uh, an M4 always, uh, always looks spectacular in just about any size instrument.
1: Yeah M4 is a wonderful cluster it's 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 a great place to start for sure um I love Antares as well um you know if you want to see star color even to the naked eye, Antares has that orangish, orange hue to it. Mm-hmm. And certainly with any optics, uh, you know, that's just enhanced. And, you know, there's a number of other stars kind of in and around that area, particularly within the field of view of uh, binoculars. Um, so you, you can compare that orange hue to a lot of the other, you know, star colors in that vicinity. And, and it's quite striking. Okay.
0: And through a binocular, one of the things that I, I enjoy about that region is that this is one of my favorite fields because you have uh, Antares and then to the right or to the west, you have M4 and uh, almost equidistance. But then uh, just a little bit north, you have Elnia, which is um, sort of the bottom star in what forms almost like a, uh, a Pentagon type um, feature uh, or like an asterism of stars. Um, that extends from Scorpius into the very southern reaches of Ophiuchus. So we have Antares Alniat on the bottom, and then going above Antares, we have 22 SCO uh, or 22 Scorpius. And mm-hmm. then above, above and to the right of that, you have, a. I think it's the triple star Rho Ophiuchus. It shows a nebula around that, but it's a reflection. It's pretty tough to see. And then just southwest of that, you have Omicron Scorpius. And, uh, and together, I just love uh, the way that looks through a binocular. You really need about a four um, and a quarter or a little bit larger uh, field to see that whole region. So uh, using my binoculars, which get just about a nine degree field of view, um, you know, it's well framed, but pretty much uh, any binocular that's not like a super high power binocular uh, will get that whole region. If you do use your binoculars there, then you can see m 80 uh, another, uh, messy globular cluster, which is just west of, uh, Roa Fucas by about, uh, I think it's about three or four degrees to the west of that.
1: Yeah. It's a real rewarding field of view in that area. Uh, lots of things to look at. Yeah. And then
0: I'd scan down and go across to, uh, M6 and M7. And, uh, you know, recently one thing that they've, uh, done out here in this area is they switched over to, uh, Full cutoff uh, proper spectrum. Actually, they didn't put the proper spectrum ones in vagina, but it looks like the lights out here are the proper spectrum. And so, uh, I've I've without moving, I've moved from a Bordel four sky to a Bordel three point five sky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's you know any gain is a positive gain.
0: And what that gain uh, yields is that even on a night that wasn't a perfect night, and definitely um, you know like an average night out here. I was able to see M6 and M7 in my binocular field of view for the, for the first time uh, together and uh, actually see individual stars uh, in those clusters. So to find these, you just go and find the last stars in the tail of the stinger of the scorpion, which is uh, Shola. And then there's a little star next to a Um, But they form this beautiful little double. Uh, it's not really a double, but it's just like a visual double and you can well separate them with your eye. I think they're, they're you know half a degree apart or something like that. or pretty far apart, and uh, they kind of point to Ptolemy's Cluster M7, and then just above and to the right uh, is the Butterfly Cluster. But for here, these are this represents about as far south uh, as you can see, and about our most subtlety objects you can see from 50 degrees north.
1: Yeah, so if you are working on your uh, Messier list, this is a great time to observe those objects. And you know, if you wait until the fall, you'll be out of luck.
0: That's right. But if you don't have skies that are that far south, you can actually pan up and to the left, sort of ride up the Milky Way, and you'll see, um, you know, lots of sort of Milky Way star fields, and then you'll get to the Lagoon, um, Trifid, and M21 region. And another way to find it really is just to come off the, um, what do you call it, the lid or the top of uh, Sagittarius, what do you call that? The, what would that be? The little part that you take off the teapot? Is yeah, I, just think, the lid? I think
1: the lid. Yeah, that's what I'd call it.
0: I feel like that's not the right word for it. But anyway, the, the peak of the triangle or the very lid um, is Caius Borealis. And if you just sort of pan to the right of that, you'll get to the Lagoon Nebula. And I love uh, that view of the lagoon and the Trifid and M21 in the same field. Uh, with your binoculars, it's just spectacular. Of course, the lagoon, uh, sometimes referred to as the uh, Summer Orion um, Nebula, it's another star forming region, beautiful nebula, and uh, I can even see that from from the city skies. Uh, M21 and, and M20, uh, the Trifid, are are a little bit more uh, difficult. And then what I like to do is pan back across from uh, from the lagoon, go back to the top of the uh, of the teapot there, and one of my favorite regions. Is in and around uh, M22, which is a Messier uh, globular cluster, and there's a line of stars that it sits within. I don't know if you've ever noticed the sheen, but you can actually see this with your unaided eye. And one of the one of the beautiful stars to look at through binoculars and telescopes there is 24 Sagittaria, which uh, is a bit of an orangey red star. And just that's just a beautiful field. And then if you have your binoculars, of course, so right above Cassiopeia, the the top star in in Sagittarius is is another Messier globular uh, M28. Do you ever look at that that sort of field in your 12 by 36s? I'd love to see them in those binoculars.
1: Yeah, this is my favorite part of the sky for sure. In the summertime, the the whole Sagittarius constellation and kind of around it is just phenomenal in terms of uh, beautiful objects to observe. And the great part about it is a lot of these are very observable with binoculars. So it's just a wonderful area to pan around in and really you could spend an entire evening on uh, these objects and, and probably still not do them all justice. So, uh, you know, th- th- this is just highly recommended by by myself with, you know, my preferences.
0: Yeah. And then if you head straight up from there, heading up to the North uh, you'll land on the Sagittarius star cloud. And then I like to go kind of go back and forth from uh, West to East and East to West. And you can see on either side, um, sort of quite a distance out. So, but you know this is the view through binoculars uh on the right or to the west you'll see M23 and on the left or to the uh, east you're going to see M25 and then just above the Sagittarius star cloud is uh Messier 18 and then you get uh, uh the Omega or the Swan Nebula M Messier 17 which is a which is a nebula and then uh just above that you get the Eagle Nebula so the star cloud is is um uh, a grouping um, a chance alignment of uh of a hole in the Milky Way, and, and then you're just seeing all the stars towards the core of the Milky Way beyond, and then M25 and M23, those are open clusters. But if you continue to pan up, you get to one of my favorite regions, which which is that Scutum star cloud. I eh? love that region.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh again, it's just rich. Uh there's so much to see there. It's uh it really is incredible.
0: Yeah. So in the so Scutum is sort of a hard constellation to to draw out, it's sort of like this, um, long, uh, diamond shape and, uh, it sort of cuts right through the Milky way, but I don't even bother trying to look at the pattern for scutum. I just am familiar with that scutum star cloud. And then there's this little, some people call it the golf putter. I've heard of other, you know, sort of dipper type asterisms, but right in there, there's this little asterism in the heart of that asterism is uh, is a thin cluster. You need a little telescope to see it. Um, but to the left of the bowl of that little asterism is the uh, wild duck cluster, Messier uh, 11, which is uh, an open cluster. That's just just beautiful the way uh, Messier 11 sort of hangs on to the edge of the star cloud. And then that asterism is kind of like superimposed over that star cloud.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful. And that the wild duck cluster is one of the you know, uh, it's not even like many astronomers, you cl- uh, love the wild duck cluster. It's just, it's beautiful. And and we all go back to it multiple times a year. I think it just, it's, it's yeah. a neat one to look at.
0: And the history of it is that William Smythe who wrote the Bedford catalog came along and was talking about how there's some V's of, uh, stars in there and they look like migrating wild ducks, which, which I've since confirmed after moving to a place of wild ducks. But I always used to like to say that there's this orange star that's in there. And I used to say, that's the party duck. That's the wild duck in the cluster. Anyway, people can take that away. <laughs> All right. And then panning North, you can get up to uh Sajita. It's this tiny little constellation, but I always find Sajita, you know, if you look at the star pattern, it's one of those things. It doesn't really look like anything. It's supposed to be an arrow, but uh, for, for whatever reason, that pattern or asterism of stars of sajita it, it just really pops out to me. I don't know about you.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, like it's in a rich part of the sky, but yeah, I, it's a fairly easy constellation to to pull out.
0: Yeah, and then uh, inside, and you can actually fit the whole constellation in a decent uh, wide field pair of binoculars. If you got a binocular that has seven and a half degrees or larger, you can actually see that whole uh constellation and then in there you can see uh, uh messy 71 which is a really loose globular cluster and then just off the tip off the uh, eastern side of Sagitta, if you go about uh, a Sagitta height from that star you get to the dumbbell uh planetary nebula
1: yeah which is again it's a that's another great object um looks uh really nice even in small telescopes but uh certainly observable with binoculars.
0: And then if you go uh, on the right or on the uh, western side of Sajida, again, about a Sajida height, and maybe just a little bit west of there, you get to Colander 399, which is the uh, coat hanger cluster, which uh, Al-Sufi wrote about 965 AD. And the, the coat hanger, I think, is just about the pinnacle of objects to look at for binocular astronomy in the summer. How about you, Shane? Really looks like a coat hanger.
1: It does. Yeah, it does. And it's something you can see naked eye. And when you throw binoculars on it, it's wonderful.
0: All right. So with that, we conclude our binocular tour. I'm going to say, uh, as far as resources go, the very best book on binocular astronomy is called, strangely enough, binocular astronomy by Craig Cross. And I think if people are interested in binocular astronomy, they should go out and buy that book. Thanks, Shane. And thanks uh, to everybody for listening. Be sure to subscribe. And we're always excited to get your observing emails into actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.